0: This is RS1, part of the Radio
2: Show Limited Network.
1: G'day everyone and welcome to On The Grid, your weekly fix of motorsport with a down-under perspective. Each week we'll talk to the leading lights of Aussie motorsport, unpick the key issues, discuss the trending topics and have some fun along the way. From supercars to the Bathurst 12-hour and everything in between, and I mean everything, this is On The Grid. Now,
2: here's the show's host with the most, Tony Good G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Big show coming up. We're going to have a chat to Craig Lowndes or at least Richard Crowe will shortly. He was a main guest at the Bend Motorsport Park on the weekend for their classic weekend. And we'll find out what that was all about and what Craig's been doing as well. We'll also catch up with Richard and Mark, our top five this week. It's an interesting one in to find out but it's got something to do with street circuits and where we might like them to be not where they currently are we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well well we
1: were lucky people on the weekend here in the great state of south australia because we're allowed nice things and to go motor racing the ben classic was a great weekend of action cool racing cars formula one cars from the past and other things and cool people as well one of them lucky enough to get the call up and have a bit of a skid at the Bend Motorsport Park was Craig Lowndes, and he joins us on the line now. Hello, CL. How you going? Mate, I'm well. Enjoyable weekend, wasn't it?
0: Well, it was. I think it was one of those things that uh, I remember Sam um, putting out a bit of a, an invite a little while back, but, of course, with border crossings and everything else, you weren't really sure until you got closer to the event whether, A, we could get across, uh, whether we had the quarantine, whether it was all going to go ahead, what was happening. But uh, I think literally a day before we arrived, which was uh, Thursday, uh, we basically spoke to the Shaheen family and uh, Lara and, and uh, basically the family got flights organised. So it was a really a rush, last minute sort of thing. But again, we were sort of quite lucky because the day before we arrived, we had to get tested on arrival uh, or the process was to get tested on arrival quarantine until you get your result, but then of course that got lifted the day before we arrived so um, yeah, thankfully we can get into South Australia, we had a lot of fun and the day we arrived, it was, I think it was about 35 degrees blowing <laughs> a gale uh, and then of course when we started doing track activity, it was like mm-hmm. 16 and hail
1: <laughs> yeah it was yeah it's uh, definitely spring it's all kinds of seasons. The weather's a bit bipolar at the moment. Um, do you do you enjoy these events? It's not your, your first time at something like this I know you did the Adelaide Motorsport festival a couple of times and and other ones as well. but is it something you enjoy getting to not just for the driving experience, but you're a petrol head, you're a motor racing fan just to see some of the other cars as well?
0: Oh absolutely. And I think that the one thing is as you grow up as a, as a child, hearing about all these activities and, and events and everything else. And, and you're so focused on, you know, whether it's go-karts or Formula Ford or junior categories, getting to it, to where you want to be, whether it's overseas driving a Formula One, go to America like what Scotty's doing and drive indie cars or, or you know, end up in supercars. So you spend all your, your sort of youth uh, creating and, and trying to get what, to where you want to be. And then you sort of miss the opportunities when you get there in a sense of supercars. So I spent most of my life there. And you really focus on that sole activity or event or category, and then when you semi-retire, then then sort of the world opens up. It's like your oyster. Like it's sort of Mm. like, whoa, (laughs) here we go. We got opportunities to be able to go and do things that you sort of wanted to do earlier on, but again, you were so focused, or whether your contractual agreements uh, precluded you to be able to do things. Now you get an opportunity to actually do it. And and we talked about it over the weekend. I spent my whole life. My goal was to get to formula one spent time in Europe in 97. And, and again, quite didn't get that opportunity. And then later in life, now you get a phone call from Sam saying, uh, now yeah, we've got a formula one car. We'd like you to drive it. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> get an opportunity to go over and actually do something you wanted to do 20 years ago.
1: You've driven a few of them. Yeah. You drove some of the Keynes cars, I think at the motorsport festival a couple of years ago, but, um, yeah. Do you, do you get that buzz jumping into something with wings and slicks and proper downforce again?
0: Absolutely. I think there's no doubt about it. And I think that that's the biggest part is the acceleration is, is incredible. And there's no doubt about that, but it, it's the, they all talk about how late you can break. And I am like over the course of the weekend driving the uh, Delara, uh, I, I was talking to Yasser because obviously we were going head to head with both uh, ourselves and, and I said to him, like, you know, you go down uh, the main straight, you get to about the 100-metre mark, and I, and I know there's more in it. And he goes, oh, you're at the 100-metre mark. And he goes, oh, I'm going to have to push myself. So, <laughs> yeah, there's that competition already. And, and uh, I said to him, uh, the downforce is something that you just got to appreciate, that when you lift your, your uh, throttle pedal off to zero, it's almost like pulling two Gs because the, the, the ground effects just already instantly starts to break the car. And then you go, oh, okay, all right. I can go another like ten meters deeper here now, but then mentally you got to get your brain around mm. going full noise into turn one at the bend. Going now, I know I can do it. I know I can do it. <laughs> God damn, I didn't do it.
1: <laughs> and and it's completely analog, isn't it? A nineteen eighty nine Delara Formula One car, no traction control, no ABS. Um, probably not the tires in their freshest form of life. <laughs> Six hundred and fifty horsepower Cosworth V eight, heaps of aero but zero driving aid, zero driving assist. It's you bolted into the tub, squeezed in, because they weren't very big back then, were they? Um, and and the racetrack.
0: Well, yeah, no, I've got to say that uh, there must have been jockeys because I, I still got some bruises on my elbow um, <laughs> where I was just rubbing on the on the, uh, the tub. But it, it was it was just an experience to be able to get that opportunity, as I said, it is really once in a lifetime. So, um, you know, credit to Sam and the family to be able to do that. And I've got to also say... Uh, you know, already forecasting and focusing on next year. Like uh, it's quite incredible how many F1 or X F1 cars are in South Australia. I think we worked out there was probably nine or ten. So mm. it really is a, a state that has huge interest in it and and uh, and love of motor racing, not just uh, you know Formula One, but right across the board. So um, yeah, great opportunity. Uh, you're right. There's no aids. There's no um, paddle shift. It was all a H H pattern six speed gearbox. Uh my, my wrist is a little sore because obviously getting used to that, uh, like you did in Formula Ford on the right-hand side, not the left-hand side. Um, there's a couple of moments where I, I actually did spin in the end, but there's a couple of moments prior to that that I had a good sideways slide. And, you know, you, you get to then realise and remember what you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's fantastic to have that opportunity to be able to do that, feel that, to hear it. And I think that was also one of the things I think the fans hopefully took away was that old sound. Like, no. I know that the Benetton was there with, with Sam and the V10, but all the others were V8s. And to hear that different pitch of V8 out of the different sort of eras of Formula 1 cars was, was quite incredible.
1: Yeah, and every time they'd fire your car up, Brenton Grigol had his Lola there, Sam with the V10, the back of the pit garage would be absolutely swamped with people. And and it sort of it reinforces for mine how important that part of our sport is that visceral feel it in your chest kind of thing. Cause those cars are so loud, especially even just when they're warming them up, you feel it in your, in your bones, don't you? When they're warming them up. So it, it shows how important the the show is for the sport Craig and how important it is to keep that side of motor racing going on, which might be something that a formula era and even formula one to a certain extent has lost a little bit in the last couple of years.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think that that atmosphere is, is definitely lost. And I I you know, I remember going to the Adelaide Street Circuits, you know, when when you you guys were holding the, the Australian Grand Prix and I remember, you know, standing there and you used to be able to hear the cars from kilometres away. Now mm. you're sort of standing at the side of a track and you like, mm. Oh, they're I think they're just uh, yeah, just just went. Um mm. so uh it's one of those things that it's it really is um, impressive to still have that note and that sound and and the passion for people to still carry that on. And I think that the, the hardest thing, and, and a lot of people used to say to me, Oh, are you going to buy any of your old race cars. And I'm like, well, not really because you've the worst thing for anything like that. That's purposely built for racing is to put it in a museum because yeah. it, it's, it needs lubrication, it needs the engine, heat, heat cycles. It needs the tire cycles, brakes, everything to keep it going. And uh, you know, I'm already uh, going to be into Jamie about getting Kate out next year and, and 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 getting some things that cars that are that are in the museum piece which are fantastic and it's beautifully displayed and to be able to see but to just put them on a track and actually utilize them for what they were designed for
1: yeah surely jamie now now sees dollar signs <laughs> now he's the team boss now he's got kate parked up as well he's got a race team to run surely surely that's too expensive now he'll have the the accountant in his ear won't he
0: well, I know that uh, he's taken that a couple of times around the bend, and I know that it's probably a maximum of five laps because he's exactly <laughs> right. He goes, yep, I know how much now it costs to run a car. Uh, when, before when it was owned by Roland and the team, it was like, Don't, it doesn't matter. We can yep. bash it up, crash it up. We'll, we'll repair it. Now it's like, oh, yeah, Carol. We'll just do five laps and put it away. <laughs> I
1: love it. I love that he bought that car, though. I think that's fantastic. Um, we should talk about your weekend, um, it, 1980s Formula 1. And I think we put, a, we put an accurate demonstration of 1980s Formula 1 on as well because they're not the most reliable racing cars in the world, Craig. And you battled a few little gearbox gremlins on the old Dallara, which ultimately cut your weekend a little bit short before you could get to the shootout.
0: Yeah, it was. It was one of those things that, uh, again having a bit of uh, me- mechanical sympathy on, on something about that vintage. Um, they did tell me that the gearbox has been sort of redesigned a little bit and it was the, probably the most fragile part of the whole car. So uh, I was trying to be nice to begin with. Uh, it's a six-speed gearbox and uh, it didn't like going on the downshifts. It didn't like going back to third. So I was literally going six to second uh, in the box under brakes, doing all the braking first, you know, doing the one gear shift. The up gears, you know, was fine, and then of course it started to get a bit grumpy with fifth, and then I was going fourth to fifth, fourth to sixth, sorry, um, and missing fifth altogether. And then uh, as the weekend went on, and we did some number of, of runs, it sort of it got less and less and less. And then really, the unfortunately, the the session prior to the top ten shootout, which I would have loved to have been in, uh, yeah, we lost all gears but six. So. Um, yeah, it was a bit disappointing, but as you said, it was—they it, are temperamental, they're high-strung machinery. And I do remember in the, in the early, early sessions when I first went out, I had another competitor in a, uh, a woof uh, style of car that was—you uh, know—I'd passed him and sort of finally got away. He come up after the session, he says, oh, "No, there's oil coming out of the back of your car, and <laughs> this and uh, and I tried to follow you for like a couple of laps, but I got high on the fumes." So because the fuel, obviously, that, uh, that they need to use to operate the vehicles, it, it, it's, it's that unique smell and, we, and all those things that you forget that, uh, you know, about. And, and again, uh, when I, I spoke to uh, BRM about the, obviously the it had a little weeping side case and, uh, and he goes, you got to remember, that's how they run them. Like yeah. that was you look at the cars, if you look back at the old footage at the end of a 80 lap run. Yeah, they're all black because of all the oil and everything yeah. coming
1: out the back of the cars. <laughs> you're right about the fuel. Anytime they'd fire the cars up and you're in the garage, you'd, you'd burst in tears because the fuel's potent stuff. I think it's the jungle juice the Nissans ran at Winton all those years ago to grab their win or something. <laughs> really, really potent. Yep. And the whole missing gears thing, you couldn't do that in a paddle shift, Craig. So maybe that's something they need to talk about for supercars down the road. Um yeah, loved it. It was really cool to see you there and, and see you in those cars. Just on the driving thing, did it take you long to get your head around the downforce again? Or was that something you just muscle memory brings you back to it?
0: It does muscle memory some part, but I think like I remember driving Lewis's um, McLaren with Jensen Button at Bathurst, mm. like any vehicle can be driven to a point quite easily, and especially when you've got paddle shift and everything else, although the Delara was a, was a H pattern. You can drive it to a level quite safely and quite easily and quite quickly. But it's in finding in extracting that last sort of half or a second out of it. And I remember, you know, the first couple of times we, we came back in, and uh, you know, the team, BRM said like, "Oh, well, like, how are we going to find some more time? Like, you're doing one minute 15s When Sam ran it, we did thirteens. Like, <laughs> we got to find a bit more time." I'm like, "Yeah, okay, I'm already thinking about it." And I really immediately wanted some mechanical front grip, and but we want some aero, um, less re- rear on high speed aero. So. I asked if we could do some rear wing change, which we couldn't, unfortunately, Um, stiffen up the rear sway bar to get some mechanical uh, grip. And I was already in that mode of, all right, let's go faster. How do we do that? And uh, I think it really just came down to me driving the car better and more uh, frequently and just getting used to, you know, braking later, utilising that rear big rear tyre so you can get on the throttle and use all the horsepower. So it really, for me, was um, just getting used to it again. Um, But then I did find out that they did modify the gear ratio because I was Hard on the limiter down the main straight and a few things. So now uh, trying to get the Sam's lap time in out of this car was yeah. was going to be close to impossible. But, but I was giving it a crack. And uh, again, just as I said, the feel that the 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 neck strain that you obviously you put your head under because of the just the the straight line braking. As I said, you get to the hundred. I, I think I got to about the ninety mark at the end of the main straight at the bend before you even think about getting on the brakes and you go, Ooh, okay. <laughs> but it did it. And, and, and I think if you had more time, you'd, you'd get closer to that 50 mark. Yeah.
1: It's such a cool thing to watch. Um, you've been keeping yourself busy lately. I know there's no racing on and your commitments with Fox sports, of course, when supercars happen, you're on the TV, but uh, you've been busy pandering around Queensland raceway in gen three prototypes. So you're keeping yourself occupied in this sort of middle of the off season.
0: Well, we are. I think there's no doubt that uh, we we're always going to have a break at the mid part of this season because of the Olympics, mm-hmm. it's just been extended, unfortunately, with obviously what's going on with COVID and, and uh, states. But uh, we're lucky up here in Queensland, like you guys are in South Australia, that we are still able to get around the state. So yes, at the moment, supercars are very keen to continue on the Gen 3 program. Um, the car, sorry, the engine's in a car, but it's a, it's a TA2 car, which uh, obviously people, if they don't appreciate. It's more like a NASCAR style. It's left-hand drive. But this car is the prince's cars from from Europe or from Asia, sorry. So it's paddle shift. It's not the H pattern that we do have here in Australia. Um, It's a it's a five speed um, sequential, sorry, paddle shift, and so it's a little bit different to Australian version of the TA2 car. Um, Same tire, same brakes, mechanically very similar, but except for obviously a five speed, not a four speed, and uh, paddle shift. So it's a good test mule car. Uh, we've, done, uh, day, we've done three days now in the, in the vehicle. Uh, the first day, actually, uh, Shane, Jamie and Brock Feeney were doing a b- lot of the uh, installation side of it. I've done day two and day three. And also day three, which wasn't long ago, uh, Shane came out and be part of it as well, just to get more of a perspective on the current supercar and what, what he wants from it, in a sense, because it is different. It's a fly-by-wire system. So getting the throttle pedal, to, to talk to the, to the butterfly, which is a single, single butterfly, because it's a, basically a crate engine straight out. So it's got a single big butterfly instead of the eight trumpets. And gets, so the first mission was to get the throttle pedal to talk to the butterfly in the way that it works. And the beauty about the fly-by-wire is you can program it. You can be aggressive. You can be linear. You can, you can program it to suit whatever the driver wants. So that element going forward, I think, will be really good, especially for a wet weather You'd be able to then program it for it to basically dull it down to make sure it's not as peaky. Mm. Um, so again, th- that aid I think will be really a benefit for going forward in the Gen 3 program. So once we got that set up, then it's the butterfly to the engine in the sense of the mapping, you know, down low, up high, mid range, uh, getting that sorted was really important. I think we've got a ha- handle on that side of it pretty well now. I think there's definitely no doubt there's more tuning to be done, but at the moment, the engine starts, it runs, it drives. You know, we, again, some of the uh, complexities at the early stages was you know, uh, driving it out of pit lane on the pit limiter. So actually just getting that drivability. So it's not all about just getting horsepower and, and, and getting all that. It's the drivability of it. Um, at the beginning, we couldn't actually leave pit lane without getting off pit limiter to wow. give it a rev to drive it off. So again, mm. we've cleaned all that up. Um, now we can drive in and out of the pit bay on the limiter Uh, So it is a whole lot of facets of of just getting it right, not just outright uh, speed or or horsepower. So um, at the moment we've done about close to sort of 1500 kilometres on the engine touch wood, hasn't had a problem, Uh, but you know, the category wants to basically keep going until we find the first problem. Uh, And it's very rare that a driver, you get an opportunity to to drive something and basically you're, you're told, Drive it hard, drive it fast, break it. I'm like, yes, um, <laughs> Christmas, so, yeah. yeah, Christmas. So at the moment we haven't broken it, um, but in saying that, we've we've we found some little things that have have gone wrong. We last one, um, we had a spark plug plug come off the um, uh, ignition module. It's on the on the um, rocker cover uh, when Shane was in the car. It came back. He said it dropped a cylinder. We thought, oh, here we go. This is the first sign, and it just it was simple as a spark plug. It so lead. So, you know, all those little things we, we just got to find out knowing going forward when we obviously uh, deliver the, the engine to the teams that we've hopefully, you know, got rid of a lot of the 99% of the bugs.
1: Good to know. Um, give me your thoughts on Brock Feeney joining the team next year. Really exciting. But I reckon the last time a young bloke with big raps but without a lot of proving came into the sport and and dived straight into a top team at the highest level was probably Bathurst 1994, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> it's a big leap, isn't it, for young Brock? But but clearly the team thinks he's ready.
0: Well, I think so. I think there's no doubt that, uh, again, when you're referring back to 94, when I first got my, my chance, when Jeff Gretsch uh, rang us up and said, look, you know, we want you to come out and do some testing with us, sort of showcase, see what you can do. And then all of a sudden it's like, yep, okay, we're throwing you into Sandown 500 Bathurst with uh, Brad Jones as a co-driver. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> um, you go from a Formula Ford mm. into a supercar. Uh, i got to say that, and I'm not sort of, uh, I suppose, um, discrediting what Brock's done, but it, it, this this era, you've got Super 3, Super 2, Correct. supercars. So mm. you've got a bit more of a progression, which is fantastic. Um, but, but for Brock... There's no doubt that he's put himself in a great position. Uh, I think that he's got a great opportunity. There is going to be a little bit of a grace period, I think, from for him from the media and everyone to get his head around the team, the philosophy, which he's pretty well in tune now, uh, but also to, to race against Shane. Like, And Shane's the benchmark. There's no doubt about that. I've asked Shane if he's going to help him out, and he said no. <laughs> um, basically if he's going to get to this level he needs to stand on his own two feet which I can appreciate that yeah. um, but look you know, there's no doubt that Brock's a great talent uh, he's got a great opportunity he's put himself in a great position but he now needs to perform there's no doubt about that I think that uh, he'll have his own goals the team will have their own prediction and goals of what they want from him whether it's a top 10, top 15 to begin with I would, I would more assume a top 10 because of the calibre of the car that's seen uh, and then uh, I think soon after it will be a top five. So uh, there's no doubt that there's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, but I think, you know, dealing with him over the last sort of 12 months with uh, Super 2 and everything else, he he's, he's, a, he's a great, young, mature driver. Um, and I think if he can succeed, like the Todd Hazelwoods, uh, like the Bryce Forwards that have come up through that program, Jack LeBrock, all those guys, Gary Jacobson, there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, that have, comes through that sort of uh, progression or, or categories that it's only going to bolster the super three, super two, knowing mm. that a young guy in go-karts right now, if they want to look at the big picture of supercars, that's the pathway. And I think that it, that, that, fa- that's fantastic. So it wasn't there when I did it, Garth Tander, yeah. Greg Murphy, um, Joseph Barguana, Cameron McConville, like all those guys, you know, we, we had to sink or swim. Uh, yep. Now there's a little bit more of a progression, which, uh, allows them to mature as they go through the categories.
1: Uh, yes or no answer? Can you and Jamie win Bathurst this year? Yes. Good answer. Um,
0: <laughs> and well, well, I hope so. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: no going to elaborate a little bit.
0: Uh, <laughs> go because, on. <laughs> um, only because it, this is obviously his last full-time season mm. as a full-time driver. My last year was quite emotional. Um, you know, Jamie talks of being about the uh, funeral tour <laughs> because I was thinking everything <laughs> going on. But when we got to Bathurst, I was focused. Richo was focused. Um, You know, Dave Reynolds was the car to beat at that time with uh, Luke Yildon. There's no doubt about that. Things fell our way. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can do the same with Jamie, his last full-time season as the main driver and, uh, you know, send him off on on a positive note, potentially being Bathurst being the last round of, uh, you know, 2021
1: got the makings of a cracking motor race. Mate, we really appreciate your time. I've got one more for you. Later on in the show, our little race talk team's getting together uh with the news that there could be a Canberra street race back on the cards in 2023 that popped out in the media over the weekend. Um we're going to rattle off our top 5 dream locations for a street circuit. So if we could build a Ooh. supercar street circuit anywhere, where would it be? Um hint my number 1's going to be Adelaide because I want that back, but anyway. Um What's your favourite street circuit out of the all the ones you've raced on since '96, when you you became a full time driver? So there's Gold Coast, Newcastle, Homebush, Adelaide, of course. What stands out for you, or is there one that stands out for you as your favourite street circuit experience?
0: Uh, well, the first uh, there's no was doubt it Adelaide. no, no, no. Well, no. Canberra, I really enjoyed. There was no doubt about that, and it was a fantastic circuit. I know that we had some issues and the politics about, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and if people remember, the main straight actually kinked left before we turned right because it was a tree that we weren't able or allowed to relocate so mm. for a runoff we had to actually bend the, the the main straight to the left before we turned right so there was a lot of politics in behind all that but it was a fantastic racetrack i really enjoyed it uh, we had some success there um i think it was probably put on the wrong time of the year it was in the middle of winter so yeah. we need the snow chains but <laughs> getting back to your point and your question there's no doubt adelaide it, it, it for me I was lucky enough to, to race on the full-length Adelaide Street Circuit when Formula One were there. Uh, and then again, obviously when they redesigned it, made it slightly shorter. I would love the, the, the original, um, you know, coming down, um, Brabham straight down the back, instead of having that little, you know, turn eight kink that was a just main, massive long back straight. And that was incredible. Um, so I'd love to have that come back. But if it, that's not possible, what we had, um, you know, number of years, you know, it was what, what we had and I think, we say, Adelaide, and people say, why do you say that? Because the physicality of not only on the car, but the driver. There was no point on that circuit that you actually got a chance to relax or stop. And for, you know, almost uh, you know, 80 laps, 78 laps, on Saturday, everyone gets out. They're all pumped and everything else. But at the end of the day, on a Saturday night, you're going, oh, I've got a blister on this. I've got a blister <laughs> there. I've got my feet are sore. My back's killing me. Mm. Oh, crap. I've got to do this all again tomorrow. So... I think that the the magnet Adelaide set the benchmark of of uh, fitness, mechanical, you know, strength and and reliability. So yes, Adelaide for me is number one. The Gold Coast, the again the IndyCar original circuit uh, for me was was an unbelievable layout, and uh, I really love uh, doing that side of it. Again, we can't do that. Um, so yeah, like I, I I would love Adelaide to come back as much as you would.
1: Beautiful nice words. I'm sure the uh, opposition party over here will be very, very pleased to hear that because they're trying to bring it back. Mate, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. It was cool to see you on the weekend. It was cool to see you in a Formula 1 car um and that I know you really enjoyed it you could see it by you grin every time you uh, strapped you squeezed yourself into that dolara <laughs> uh, Andre de Cesaris was a small bloke I think when he drove that car back in the day um and yeah hopefully you can jump into something again next year and, and maybe I don't know hit, hit Yasser up for the Renault 3.5 or something like that have a crack at the old lap record
0: well actually yeah Sam did say because the only one car that I still do have here um is my first former Ford so uh, I did say to uh, to Sam that if I get my uh, A into to T into gear, I, I can get hopefully finish it because we're yep. restoring at the moment. Is maybe bring it over and and, and have a bit of uh, you know history in the sense of me just getting back into my old '85 Van Diemen, and uh, and again to to and, and I'm, I was actually really ashamed. Of the week prior was was obviously the 60th anniversary for Malala, which I said to Sam I won my first championship in '96 at Malala. Uh, and we had some uh, good stories about that coming out. So, again, you guys are very lucky over there to have the facilities you've got. I said to a lot of people, I would love a Sam Shahin to come to Queensland and do <laughs> duplicate what, he, what you guys have got, because I'm quite jealous.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, I know Tony Quinn tried, and that didn't quite get over the ground recently, but uh, that's another podcast yeah. on its own. Craig, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Uh, look forward to catching up at a racetrack sometime when we're allowed to go back to racing.
0: Definitely. Thank you very
1: much. Mark Walker.
3: Good day to you. Tony Specky, Richard Crowell. Uh Good to have some things to talk about again,
2: isn't it? Yes. Good. It's been a fairly busy week, which is <laughs> very nice. Before we get into those things though, uh, Craig, sound pretty happy with life at the moment, crazy? Well, you would
1: be uh, when you get the phone call. It's like, hey, come to Australia's newest permanent racetrack and drive a classic Formula One car. Oh, gee, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah life's pretty good, right? Um look, I've got to say thanks to Craig because he was, he was great in our chat as you've just heard, but he was tremendous over the weekend and and working on that event. He was brought down as an ambassador role and it was done very, very late. So we weren't really able to leverage a lot of the PR that you usually would usually you would announce Craig a month out and he'd be part of your ticketing campaigns and your pre-event marketing and all of that stuff. But with the way the borders are, he was only cleared to come on the Wednesday. So didn't get the chance to leverage at all, but, I'm consistently amazed at his drawing power. And Shebex, there were people there on the weekend that came out because Craig Lowndes was there. Um, not to see old Formula One cars or see the track or whatever. They, they came because they knew CL was going to be there and they wanted to meet him. And once again, you know, there, there were several periods where we'd arranged a chat at the back of the garage, a little Q&A. Um, for the fans, and they would gravitate in. Usually we timed it after a Formula 1 run-up, so everyone yeah. was there anyway. Um, the fans would gravitate there, and then he would be happily signing autographs for 30 or 40 minutes afterwards until everyone was done. So full credit to CL. Um, massive thanks for his work, and and he remains the most popular driver in our sport, in, in this country yeah. anyway, and and a yeah, really, really cool, uh, really cool weekend. Cool to see him drive a Wings and Six carrying in.
2: It was a cool weekend, Mark. We sort of watched a bit of it uh, from a distance, obviously on the uh, on the internet via the the streaming capabilities, and uh, it was just great to see some of those old things drive around with some good noise. And yeah, it makes you miss motorsport, doesn't it? Um, yeah, looking Sorry. looking forward. Yeah,
3: no, piss off. Uh, <laughs> Fair. Looking looking forward to that event growing. You know. Get some races happening, you know. Obviously, not everyone with an historic Formula 1 car will probably want to put it in a race, but you, you look at what happens at the Phillip Island Historics in normal times when people can travel there, um, and, and you get decent grids of all this exotica and, and all the different things. You know, you'd have 600 cars there, mm-hmm. and there's obviously that audience in Australia, and they don't mind travelling if there's an event there that's, um, that's on like this. So,
2: yeah, you know,
3: it's a great basis, and hopefully it grows from there.
2: Will someone actually do a, a full-on Goodwill? Goodwin, so good. Well,
1: that, that's it, Shebex. Like that, that—that event, it's—it's it, it's the probably the best place for it because it's a track where, and, and this is what's dragged these F1 cars out—is they're comfortable at running it there because there's actually not that many places where you can bury the thing in a fence. Yeah. Um, whereas Phillip Island's probably a little bit more sketchy from a speed perspective, um, and and they've got it's got the ownership to back it up. And, and the drive from the owners to do it. And, and Sam Sheehan's on record as saying that he wants this to be the Goodwood of Australia. And and it's got the potential to do so. It doesn't have the historic connotations and of a Goodwood, and they're not looking to rip it off. It'll be their own take. But yeah. from a, an event point of view, it could certainly have the scope that a Goodwood does. Um, and and the one thing Goodwood does really well is the manufacturer side. So every brand has an activation there. And you see the massive sculpture which every year is owned by a Porsche or an Audi or whoever yeah, it might yeah. be. And Porsche's sculpture that they had for their, their good wood feature is now outside the museum in Stuttgart. So um, that's where the bend, because all the manufacturers use it anyway for their customer drive days. So it'll end up being a week long thing. The manufacturers will book the joint out. Then you'll have this weekend with cool cars. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be big. It's been screwed by borders for the last two years. Really unfortunate. They would have had 300 cars this year had it not been for, New South Wales and Victoria being closed off.
3: And, I mean, that's another event that'll come back. Um, it was supposed to come back last year. and It'll probably come back next year is Speed on Tweed. Mm. Uh, it genuinely had that festival historic vibe about it. You know, the beautiful setting, it was a genuine festival. Like that closed off the main street of town, which the racetrack sort of went through and have mm. concerts and huge big dine-outs and it was a real community thing. They get 10, 15, 20,000 people there. You know, it was that single car run like they have, at the good goodwood hill climb more so mm. than on the old track but um you know, i'm looking forward to that event coming back because back in the day it used to draw out all these old historic formula one cars and all the other yeah. really important cars over time so hopefully they can get that back up and running
1: and it doesn't need to be a historic event at the bend because there's um, enough of those and there's enough really good ones like you said speed on tweed um yeah, Philip Island Classic. Obviously, the Malala um, Anzac Day Historics are a really, really cool event in non-COVID times. So uh, the list goes on and on. It doesn't need to be one of those. It, it can become its own thing. And I think it will. The, the desire is there for that to be a, a major event on the Ben's own but calendar.
3: Could you imagine if you had a Formula One race in well, South it's, Australia? It's, like, mate, there's
1: 10, 10 Formula One cars in South Australia right now.
3: If you had a mock um, race, it, it, you'd get you could, punters out of the woodwork, 100%. wouldn't it?
2: Absolutely could. It certainly would. It'll happen. The other big story that broke uh, in the last 24 hours is, of course, the Andre Heimgartner story and uh, Grove Racing, or Cali Grove Racing, which I believe it's still known as until the end of this season. But uh, Andre Heimgartner and the team departing ways at the end of 2021, I think it took everyone by a little surprise. I don't think anyone expected it.
1: No, certainly caught everyone on the hop, I think. It, it was never in the calculations for this silly season. There's been plenty of silly season chat, but but Grove and Heimgartner, I, I think everyone thought that looked like a, an ongoing pairing, that as time went on, we would just get stronger and stronger, given the base that they're built on in the last couple of years. And Andres certainly been very, very strong there. So, yeah, strange one, but, you know, stage managed. Quite well by the yeah. team, with with nice little graphics posted out and a statement, and all done well. And then everyone looked um, good at moment- it. There was no, there was no. Oh yeah, yeah, it. yeah, exactly right. And um, soon after, there was comment from Heimgartner's manager on Speed Cafe talking about the reasons for it. So, well, and the fact they've got a backup, a backup plan, and the reasons. So clearly, there's been some thought put into this. But I think the the surprise of the announcement caught people on the hop, and it turns out to be. Now a pretty hot ticket in the silly season market because with the investment that will be put into that team with mm. Stephen Grove and Brenton now at the helm, that's a really exciting place to be. I think that that team you look up and down pit lane that one probably has the most potential out of all of them to make a big leap forward when Gen Three starts when the playing field is leveled, just with the resources that they've already got and the additional input that Grove's mm. going to bring. So she's a pretty old spicy spicy driver market now all of a sudden
3: I was just thinking that the silly season wasn't that active this year I was wondering when mm. a domino was going to fall and now that it's there fallen, you know, there's a lot at stake uh, you know people move teams why do you move team well you could be punted I don't know if he's been punted I don't think it's been totally brought out in the press whether he was pushed or he's uh walked but you know do you if he's left has he gone to get a better deal somewhere else do you go to get more money elsewhere that's a big motivating factor in a lot of these driver deals over time. If you're walking away, you're not walking away to go and take a haircut somewhere else. Mm. And that team's made all the right noises that they're there to win. So whoever replaces them, have got some shoes to fill because Andre has been a pretty good performer over recent times and a race winner this year. He's capable of getting the job done. So wherever he winds up is going to have a reasonable asset there. Oh,
1: there there's been, sorry, oh, was, Bex, there's been chat that. Uh, young Matt Payne, Porsche Carrera Cup racer, 18 year old Kiwi will be the heir apparent, perhaps, to, to drop in there. And, and when you dive deep into that, it makes a lot of sense because he's backed by Earl Bamber. Uh, Earl Bamber and Stephen Grove have won the Bathurst 12 hour on multiple occasions in their class. They're good friends. Bamber's driving for the team in uh, Bathurst this year, all things being equal. Uh, And I know Stephen highly respects Earl's opinion as you would, because Earl has earned that respect in the sport. So that, that would be a really, really interesting thing, assuming he qualifies because I don't think at the moment he qualify for a super license. He'd at least need this year's one TRS. So he's got points from that um, and would need this year's career cup championship to have a conclusion and finish in the top 10 to get some more points there. Six at the moment. Um, but that would be really interesting. And wouldn't that just inject this massive youth movement into supercars with you know, Feeney and him coming to the sport in the same year? Crikey, that's um, mm. what a compelling storyline. It'd be a
3: hard, hard thing to do though because there's not much testing these days. You, mm. just, you can't run around like when Craig Lowndes came into the sport and have as many test days as you like. I'd love to see Earl Bamber out there. Mm. You could plug him in and he'd be a genuine chance, wouldn't he? I you would. would absolutely smoke him.
1: I think Bamber's problem is that he's still in very, very high demand in Europe and the States. He's got deals in WEC. He's got deals in IMSA, paid to drive Porsches at a very, very high level. So, and, and I would have thought that he's still in the frame for when Porsche re-enter the prototypes with Penske. Um, they're going to draw on all of their gun drivers and Earl's not a factory driver anymore, but I would have thought that he'd be at the top of their list given his long relationship and he's still racing them anyway. So he's still getting some support. And running a Crow Cup team as well. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would have thought supercars for Earl will be a little bit down the road when he's done with sports car racing and maybe a shot at winning the race outright again at Le Mans. But if the dollars are right, opportunity's right, maybe he wants to come home. Yeah, it never. would be that'd be a huge, huge to get for supercars.
2: Yeah. Never say never. i look, I'll just I like a frondre's perspective because as you said, Mark, he's a race winner this year, and he actually goes out there now into the market with a commodity to sell before that it was just, you know, he was a driver at Lucas Dumbrell racing. Didn't have a chance to finish outside the top 20 in any race that he really was in. And all of a sudden he was trying to sell himself to another team off the back of Lucas Dumbrell racing falling down. So all of a sudden he actually has a commodity to sell and that's exciting for him. I I really like that. The other thing we should speak about gentlemen is Canberra back on the cards, possibly it seems for a 2023 return uh, to the supercars calendar as a street race. Yeah, really interesting, isn't it? Just just to finish on the, well, the, the Heimgartner thing. Sorry.
1: The story is, well, yeah. yeah. Just, just to come back on the Heimgartner thing. Uh, you, you, there's still the chat, oh, supercars is stuffed. It's buggered. There's no money in it. Rah, rah, rah. But clearly there is. Because I don't think Earl leaves that team to go back. Um, Heimgartner leaves that team to go backwards on salary. No. So clearly no. there's demand for good drivers and people are still willing to pay. Anyway, just an aside there uh, for the haters out there. Hi. Um, yeah, Canberra, opportunity lost in the 2000s because the track was no good and it was run in July when Canberra is one of the coldest places on earth. Yeah. But, yeah, the the concept apparently is a run around Exhibition Park. So if you haven't seen Exhibition Park before, it's where they hold the Summonats every year, and it is exactly what it says on the tin. It's a massive park for exhibitions. So there's a huge oval, there's lots of access roads, there's pavilions, sort of rings a bit of a homebush bell, for mine Mm. Um, it's broad it's open it's out of the city itself so it's in the fringe of the city but it's right on the main road leading out of Canberra the federal highway Um, it's connected to public transport with the new tram system that's gone in recently it's got wide open spaces you could park 5,000 cars there no problems it's got pavilions you could put a pit pit set up in like they did at Homebush it ticks a lot of boxes Mm. when you look at it on the tin for a great place to put a straight circuit and to get that Canberra market back. And you might go, "Ah, oh, Canberra, it's not really sports mad, but there's 450,000, 500,000 people there. You stretch beyond that a couple of hundred Ks and you're looking at a market of a million people and then you're only three hours down the road from sydney so you capture Mm. all the fringe sydney suburbs as well potentially a really really good market for supercars to jump back into location makes a lot of sense for mine as well i'd I'd love to see it happen i think that would be a really cool event
3: a few quick takeaways i mean canberra's i've never had a bad trip to canberra like Mm. people bag canberra but i love the place like it's it's a really cool place to visit and secondly when you visit there's lots of accommodation options which is what you want you know, sometimes with race meetings, you go to Winton, where are you staying? You're staying at the Benalla Motor Inn or whatever. You go to Canberra, you can stay wherever you like. Mm. These street circuits having that infrastructure to back up a big crowd, I think that's good. People were quick to bag the potential layout that was bandied around on Cars Guide. Oh, Boring. But you know what? Long straights in the tight corners, what does that make? Yes, good racing. Correct. What did we learn at the weekend at Zandvoort? You can have the raddest racetrack in the world, but mm. if it's all this wobbly corner stuff and you don't have these long runs in the tight corners, you're not going to have a good race. Mm. I prefer to have a good race on a boring track than have a snooze fest on a wicked bit of bitumen. That's my thought anyway. No, it's a
2: good thought. I hope it happens, looks like a meat cleaver, the actual track itself, the handle and the... But then but it's you, about, know, but then it's you about, never saw Philip Island as I saw it, so. Well, uh, but it's about
3: three three 3.1k long, so it's the right yeah. distance. It's longer than Townsville, yeah. to
2: give it a bit of perspective
3: what it, what it could look like.
1: And, and it's very similar to Townsville in respect that, that half the track would be within the park. So your road closures are very, very limited. Mm. So two main arterial roads close off. But the beauty of Canberra is there's another one 500 metres down the road to link around. So, Except
3: it's, it's 16 roundabouts away, though. That's yeah, the only that's all right. Trouble right.
2: There. I know they can drive the roundabouts, but they're great. You can have a proper tip in there. The big one round Parliament House is great fun. It gives uh, Brad Jones Racing two home events, doesn't it, to an extent? Canberra's close enough to be considered a home event to Albury, isn't it? Oh, you're not staying in your bed, eh? Hey?
1: Well, no. It's, oh, I mean... An hour and a half. What, it's...
2: Two an
1: hour From Albury. Two hours to walk from Albury to Canberra? To, from the, from depends, the border. It depends how motivated how you are to get out. Of to your out. track record <laughs> of with the police, ex, is not great. So I don't know if we should take your, uh, uh, yeah. take your advice on this. I'm sure Yass is only like an hour and a half
2: away. away. No. Well, I don't enough. think so. Anyway, right. carry on. Hey, uh, regardless, <laughs> though, it got us thinking about places that we'd like to see uh, street circuits in Australia and street circuits that haven't been built before. That were the two criteria. Your question to Craig Lowndes earlier on in the interview pointed to us that his favorite street circuit in Australia was the, uh, the modern Adelaide circuit.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: Love the, the
1: full track, the full track, the Grand Prix one was what he targeted. He said, if we can't have that. We'll have the one we ran the Adelaide 500 on, but he loved the, the long Grand Prix track as do I. Um, so, yeah, this this is a really interesting little
2: thing. Can I uh, can I kick it off? This is going to go... We should also stipulate, too, that some of our top five will be events that we know will never, ever, ever get off the ground. But oh, it's all pie in it. the sky. But we'd love to see it. I'm, I'm, dead, I'm dead serious. I'm dead
3: serious. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, <laughs> the ones I've pitched, I reckon, could in theory happen. There's probably one that couldn't. Actually, right. there's probably two that couldn't, but anyway, um, yeah. all right, well, I'm going to start off. So the thing that supercars has done really, really well is that it's a true national sport. Mm-hmm. It's raced in North Queensland. It's raced in Perth, races in Tasmania, North Queensland. Um, it goes everywhere. It doesn't go inland enough, in my opinion. So I was popping around on Google Maps earlier today when I should have been writing a press release and I stumbled on the red centre of Australia and running around the outside of Uluru is a 10.5K three lane or two lane bitumen road. So the Uluru 500 kicks off my dream street circuit list. Imagine, imagine the shots from the helicopter. We get the Bathurst helicopter pilot imagine that he'll be now Uluru is 348 meters high from ground level to the top. So old mate, Bathurst helicopter pilot flies at about 25 meters from the top of McPhillamy park during the 1000. So well, imagine... he's, below,
3: he's below McPhillamy. Oh, mate. <laughs> so imagine the chopper shot
1: of these supercars running round within the background, the massive rock, yeah. the red center and the vast expanse of nothingness. That is the, unbelievable center of Australia stretching out behind you put a It would be a festival. It could be the amazing indigenous round there because of the Aboriginal culture in the area would be phenomenal, massive celebration of that thousands of people camping. It would be, you could have it as like an eco-friendly event if you wanted to, it would be amazing. And it would tick the final frontier for supercars racing, which is to race bang in the center of this great country. So the Uluru 500, 10 and a half K street circuit to be unbelievable too. There you go. That's my first
2: entry. I'm going to go next. because. Could, could you imagine the,
3: the radio comes to the cars? You're in blackout um, for half the.
2: Brilliant. What? Good. It's too
3: much of that stuff anyway.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go next because the Uluru 500 was my number four. Are you kidding. I'll, I'll, no, I'll turn it around to number five. No, oh. seriously, it was. <laughs> you should have talked about this. But I also noted that there's an airport three kilometres yeah, away exactly. from the rock. I've been to Uluru Airport. You yeah. can see the so, rock from it. It's a big airport. Perfect position.
1: Yeah.
2: So, know I agree with you. So, I'll make Uluru 500 my number five as well. Great. Okay. On similar topics, um,
3: this one's completely selfish and absolutely not necessary and probably unfeasible, but it <laughs> solves one of the biggest problems I've got in Australian motorsport. And it's the fact that Hidden Valley is a 20-minute commute away from Darwin. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because there's so much time wasted yeah, driving that 20 minutes right. back on a Friday or Saturday night to downtown Darwin. And it's just, it's wasted time. It's absolutely wasted time. Yeah. Now, I mean, we've tested out the roads there, us three, in the back of a maxi-taxi, so mm-hmm. uh, we're quite familiar with that part of the world. With a good uh, sound system. Great sound system. Great stories. But imagine that. You had a street circuit running from Mindal Beach and oh. a Mitchell Street. At Sunset. At yeah. Sunset. Oh, twilight race oh, that's like it. you would literally oh, God, have you'd literally have all of darwin there you know if everyone else from around australia would have to be there because it'd just be the best thing ever i haven't figured out the logistics it might be a 10k long track i don't know because i've probably been drunk every time i've been on that <laughs> road but we, we'd figure that out before we draw up the maps uh but could you imagine the park go down mitchell street even if you yeah. it's mindle beach just having a drag race down mitchell street it'd be the Biggest booze on you've ever seen in motorsport. It'd be
2: sensational. On a side note to that, I did see on the uh, news the other day that things are running that normal in Darwin at the moment that they just had the beer can regatta Mm. down at Mindal Beach. (laughs) Like it hasn't missed a beat. Mm, So good on them. Great place to run it. You're right. So I'll jump from my number five to my number four, which was my number five. And I think one thing that we need to do, and I think Supercars does it well, is they do take these, street races to the people so they'll go to areas that are fairly well populated at the time of the actual race itself so I'm thinking that maybe an event that they could do that is quite well populated for the two days that it actually runs and they could run as an extension to that would be the Birdsville races I think it'd be a perfect opportunity there's 7,000 the population of Birdsville swells from 100 people to 7,000 people just for the two days of the races could you imagine what it would do if we actually ran supercars there on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday and run the Birdsville Cup on the Wednesday, Thursday, I could tell you there would be a very big shortage of alcohol in Australia. (laughs) Not not just Queensland, in Australia. Forex would have to put a pipeline from Milton (laughs) out
3: to Birdsville. Is there enough bitumen roads
1: in Birdsville to do it, do you we mean, mean, No, well, we'll make it. No. <laughs> It'll you be run like the Eldora, <laughs> run it. <a>, yeah, <laughs> the dirt race. Well, <laughs> well
2: the, you can run them on the airport though. That's a better, bitumen Runway. Well, we've run. Well, they run NASCARs on a uh, on a speedway, don't they? So on a dirt speedway. So why could not we run supercars on dirt road?
1: The Birdsville One Thousand. Wow, that's huge. I don't
2: know if we'd get a thousand, but
3: no, it would be an endurance yeah, so race. Yeah,
1: endurance race. That's what I'm going <laughs> for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right. <clears throat> So one thing you want with street circuits, like Mark touched on with the Canberra situation, is infrastructure. You want there to be enough hotels, enough restaurants, night spots, pubs, whatever it needs to be, all the resources you need to put an event on. I think we know where this is going, right? So got a feeling. Back in 1950, the Australian Grand Prix was held in what was then a small town called Nuriutpa, in the northern end of the Barossa Valley. (laughs) So I think it's time to bring back the Barossa Valley street circuit. Now, I know the roads around here better, I reckon, than most people. I've driven on them all, and I went to high school there. So I'm pretty adverse at them being a street circuit as well. Drive responsibly, kids. Uh, There are umpteen amazing street circuits. Now, you could bring back the... 1950 Australian Grand Prix layout in Neary, but it's a bit flat. It's just a square rectangle of about eight kilometres around the town. There are better ones. Mark's been there. Mengler's Hill. It's mm-hmm. a king of the mountain stage in the Tour Down Under push bike race.
3: Yeah. Is this a one-way race track? are hey, hey, you running this?
1: Well, no, you go up over the hill. It loops down through Angerston. Okay. Back down on the flats towards Neary And yeah, then cuts good. across to the back of Tanunda. Again, long lap, probably 13Ks, 14Ks. <laughs> But uh, they still race the Nürburgring Nordschleife and that's 22. So, you know, the Barossa 500, infrastructure everywhere, tourism market from a tourism potential. I mean, again, I go back to the helicopter pilot flying across the top of the grapevines in full bloom, dropping their Shiraz grapes ready to go, gigantic wine bottle in the middle of the racetrack somewhere. Oh, my goodness me. They're up there. The winners get presented with a really nice bottle of Barossa Shiraz, maybe some Penfolds Grange. I don't know. It's a big budget. Um, <laughs> how good? The Barossa 500 would be an unbelievable
2: event. It would be incredible. I'll come back to you sure, with a layout. Can we just make sure that the roadworks at Gawler are fixed and finished before Mate, we try Gawler and get Gawler is
1: it? not in my LGA, so I do not care about Gawler. They can, yeah. People will pass through it to come to the Barossa Valley and that's it.
3: You're, you're going to be the event organizer, the grand marshal, the commentator. You're going to be Eddie McGuire of the Barossa 500. And, <laughs> and every job, you open up the program and it's got the list of jobs and they're all just R. Crayon. i very, very,
1: very, very drunk. Um, <laughs> oh, mate, it would be the best thing that's ever happened in the world, ever.
3: Right. Uh, my number four, uh, it was actually suggested. This was put forward as an event back in 1987 and the government at the time were just absolutely 100% behind it, having a 500k touring car race on a 3.3km circuit. And I'm talking about Hobart. Yeah, place is absolutely car nuts down there. You know, you think of Targa. It's, it's per capita the most motorsport-centric state in Australia. You'd have a little street circuit down there through Constitution Rocks around yes. the Salamanca Beautiful. markets. Uh, you could Take a leaf out of the NASCAR book and call it the Southern 500 because oh, what yeah. else? What else is more southern than yeah Hobart? Yeah, copyright, yep. patent pending. <laughs> um, send it, like yeah, great town. I love Hobart. We could go mm. and stay. Remember, Rich, we stayed in that place underneath the satellite dish, uh, literally radio farm.
1: radio telescopes. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: That was excellent. I'd, yeah. I'd book that place again. Yep, and uh, we'd make it happen. But I and elevation
2: be, change too. There's a, a feeling. oh yeah. Mm. high lift of elevation going
3: through the city but mm. you know you you've got all the accommodation there it's you know that end of town obviously you're blocking off that end of town like but it. you're not going to absolutely bugger the town up entirely like you know surface paradise does
1: imagine running so i don't want to lose simmons i like simmons planes but imagine you run simmons planes the week between them is targa and it culminates in the oh. southern 500 at hobart oh nice like the that- two-week motoring, motoring, motoring festival would blow the socks off Tasmania. It would be the yeah. biggest thing they've
3: ever done. That's a very Adelaide idea to have all your events at
2: once. 100%. And it's proven <laughs> to have worked. Well, until they take one away. Oh, don't start Just me. Stop it. <laughs> sure, <Becky. laughs> uh, Number three is uh, a street circuit in tweed heads. And effectively, you, you mentioned that they had the speed on tweed. So the good thing is, is that they do have a history of uh, motor racing there. But I like the idea of the fact that we could actually get two governments to foot the bill because you can oh. run it over the border. Oh, Are you New serious? <laughs> and Queensland both pay for it, which I thought would be great. Genius. My issue is they'd have to be sprint races because if you had a pit stop, you might be entitled to spend two weeks in quarantine until you get back in your car.
1: What do you do if it's time certain, but it, it goes time certain when you're on the New South Wales side? Because Queensland still lives half an hour behind the world.
2: Especially Wait. if you do it when daylight savings starts if you it do fin- it after
1: October. Does it finish plan-
3: at 4.30 or 5.30? Who knows? I like it. <laughs> I'll tell you a true story from my life. I went for a job interview at the Honda dealership down in Tweed Heads once, and it was lucky I was running an hour early because uh, – I've walked in there and it's like, well, you've got the job. Well, you haven't interviewed me yet. Yeah, but you showed up. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I. The, you'd have to remove that, the great wall of tweet heads
2: at the mm. moment that they got running there. I think well, that'll be a would. bit of a jump. Correct. The other thing is, uh, the issue that I would have, though, is at the end of the race, when there was all this smoke coming up from the track, people would actually think that it was Shane Van Gisbergen doing a burnout, but forget that there was probably a crowd of about 300 from Mullumbimbi. That actually popped up for the weekend. So that could be what? a factor. No,
3: but you could um, run it up the top um, around Point Danger and all that. It'd be a that'd be a bit back there, spec well, up the top a, around Rambo. What Rainbow a great Bar. name for a racetrack. Point danger. <laughs> the point <laughs> danger five hundred. Point danger death race. <laughs> top it.
1: Well, in a in a similar in a similar frame, my my number three, I, I was gonna look at Byron. But I, I thought I, I don't know if the hippies would like that too nah. much. It's probably a bit chill out. Nah, you would But so I went back on my tack of going to places where I'd quite like to go and see, uh, where Supercars has never been, and at points of the country where Supercars has never been. So we're going to Broome. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, seaside, you could run yeah. alongside five mile beach there, Cable Beach. Um, you could. Oh, is, it fly, is it a
3: fly? Is it a flyaway event? It, well, more or less, yeah. It's, it's, that's it's, further than New Zealand. You'd run it after Darwin.
1: You just come across from Darwin,
3: right? And then come yeah, there to Perth, and then hey, come come down this. to
1: Perth two weeks later. Well, exactly right, Shebecky. There you go. That Hope top you corner. Hope you don't
3: tear your cars up in Darwin, <laughs> yeah, no, you
1: it. <laughs> Then it does become fly in. But that town's a, a fly flow town, so it's it's geared up for fly in fly out workers. who work in the mines in the north end of uh, of WA. Doesn't get in any love with professional sport at all. So you'd own it. Crab wouldn't be enormous but it would be a destination event and again it would look utterly spectacular on tv and i've always
2: wanted to go there for various reasons but um Could you imagine so all mate, though, going to his missus and saying hey dale we're kicking off in darwin you and the kids are coming hmm. and then we've got a four-week trip from darwin down to Broome, a bit of motor racing and then from Broome we drive down to perth what a fantastic family yeah. holiday
1: yeah it, it, uh, the west coast swing <sighs> For supercars, you just be on the road. Yeah, I mean indie cars on the east coast of the United States now for so no they're not, they're on the west, aren't they? Um, for three weeks in a row. So it just builds that momentum. So that'd be the same thing. That'd be great. So the broom one thousand, there you go. Well,
3: why don't we have a race over in Bali while we're up that way? Well, hang on. That's well,
2: not Australia. Silly.
1: Australia uh, only. But well, I'm
3: I'm just I'm just big now was there. that
1: that was that mooted at some point? Quite seriously. Was oh, that talked about tough, way back in the nineties somewhere? Oh, in it, Bali. It, 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 it,
3: yeah, it, it'd be it'd be absolute bogan Christmas, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be. Everyone pile on their jetstar, get up there, and oh, uh, oh, have to have the official supercars thongs on.
1: Jeez, I'd rather go to Darwin than Bali any 100%. day of the week, to be perfectly honest
3: with you. But, but people um, people fly home via Bali because it's cheaper. Yes, than yes. getting a flight out of Darwin. Yeah, yeah. yep. Real Doing. world problems. Mm. Uh, my number three. This is another one that. I mean, I guess I've sort of cheated and a lot of these have been suggested in the past. But uh, back in 1997, a big effort was put in uh, by a group looking to do a 5.6k street race at a place called the Haunted Hills mm. in the Latrobe Valley. And we did a big story on this this year for the racetalk.com and it would absolutely throw shade on Mount Panorama. It would be thoroughly insane. Um, it's sort of up above the the towns of uh, Moe and uh, Morwell there. Uh, they've actually built the hill climb, the Bryant Park hill climb, and there's a motocross track inside there. So there actually is a bit of motorsport around there, but it'd be the, just the most nuts racetrack. Picture the bit of Targa Tasmania, top of the mountain Bathurst, and then a couple of massive straights, huge elevation changes, big vistas over the coal mine. I don't know if the coal mine's really that worth looking at, right. but it, sure. it's a really, it's a really cool mm. vista. Um yeah, they're mad keen for motorsport out there, and they've got bugger all else going on at the moment. So I'm sure they would really welcome the chance to have a big time circus come to town and, and build a bit of infrastructure out there. So yeah, go out to the haunted hills, yep. and you can cut laps of that track at the moment. They actually did have a regularity event there as a bit of a shakedown, showing what it could be. Could be, uh, but it was a bit of a goat track, and um, fortunately, no one fell in a coal mine. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I like, I like it. Um, and do check out that story on the therastalk.com. It's worth looking at. Uh, yeah, fascinating stuff. So I got a little bit serious with the next one. So one of our fears, of course, when we the street circuits is that the local government pulls the pin or the state government pulls the pin and funding dries up. So you're always looking for an alternative. And um, we love our trip to Townsville every year. We like yep. going to North Queensland. It's a spectacular part of the world. South Queensland, take or leave North Queensland. Amazing personal opinion only of course um so if townsville for whatever reason so the current mayor of townsville jenny hill is very much behind the street circuit but governments change as quick as the weather up there during the wet season so if for whatever reason townsville fell over i think we just pick the show up move it 500 k's north go to cairns a cairns street circuit would be incredible tourist mecca of course uh, they went to Townsville because it needed a boost. It needed something. Cairns probably doesn't need a street circuit race to drag people there because people go to Cairns anyway. Having said that, it would still be phenomenal. All the resources are there, heaps of accommodation, amazing scenery on the waterfront. You could run along the, alongside the beach there. It would look spectacular, would sell the place incredibly well. You know, you could do day trips up to Port Douglas. You could do all sorts of stuff. It would be really, really cool. And Townsville is North Queensland, but Cairns is North North Queensland. She's right up the top, and it's proper North Queensland Australia. I love it. It's a cool part of the world. So a street circuit there would be incredible. If for whatever reason, Townsville unfortunately disappeared, let's go further north. Keep a North Queensland round. I think that's really important because they are unbelievably large petrol heads up there but let's go to Cairns and have a street race there. That would be very, very cool.
3: Um, Love that idea. I'll have a go at number two. Um, I, I know that there are no, you know, no international races in this, but I, I think I'm going to get past on a technicality. Uh-huh. There was a lot of chat about this uh, 20 years ago, but I'd like to lock in something at Perth or Fremantle. Mm-hmm. That's not in Australia anymore, is it? No, no, they're not. That's the
1: independent Republic of, um, of W.A. Astar, but sure, no problem.
3: Yeah. You know, once again, a couple of ace locations. You know, mm. Frio down there is just beautiful. You could have it run past the little creatures brewery, which is <laughs> sold. Just, Let's go. Okay, done. Uh, or, or, you know, have it over at Langley Park down in the downtown Perth, where they suggested. suggesting. Obviously, they ran the uh, WIC super specials there over the years, but uh, there's a bit of space there to spread your legs and have some pits and all that sort of caper. You know, they had the Red Bull Air Race there. Yep. Didn't that look great? You know, imagine the, the helicopter shots there coming in. Uh, the one downside, it could have possibly been my number one, is that when you go to Perth, you don't get duty-free. Well, maybe mm. you do now. Maybe that's you, what's yeah, I think you do. It, yeah, You do yeah. technically get your duty-free now and make mm-hmm. that five-hour flight worthwhile. But, mm. um, you know, there's a lot of talk about it over the years. Barber Gallo, it annoys me. They've buggered that place with that pit building in the middle, haven't they?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Because it used to be a ripper track when you'd sit anywhere down the bottom there. You could see most of the circuit, and it was right in your face. And they've put that pit building there, and they've absolutely buggered it. So um, scrap all that, and they keep talking about, you know, they're going to build extra racetrack out there and a companion racetrack. It'll never happen. Yeah, they put $230 on it. It won't cost you that much to build a street track in downtown, and you'll have a big tourist thing that'll get people over from the East Coast. So um, make it happen.
2: Beautiful thinking. My number two runs off the back of Richard's Barossa 500, and it is the Yarra Valley 500, which <laughs> has been scoped out here for you. I know this is not a, uh, a medium for I, vision.
3: I, I like what you've done here, Shebex. You've got the, the racetrack going around two roundabouts, <laughs> yeah. which is a really <laughs> Should it's taken a out? bit of a novelty.
2: <laughs> they, I can I like take, they can be taken out. They can be chicanes. But you've got the Yarra Valley racing track, the horse racing track, mm-hmm. and the showgrounds here. So plenty of opportunity to build pit lane yep. down there. And also in regards to seating and the like, look at the amount of seating through that area where there's no roads. So there's no houses in that area. It runs down the main street. It's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight turns, a 6.44 kilometre track. It's a bit fast. It
3: would be. i tell you what, great pub in Yarra Glen, though. Yeah. Like, oh, if media centre's at start of the
2: centres. Yeah. Yeah. The start of the main street, for sure. Yeah. And once again, uh, just a perfect opportunity for our Victorian uh, wine-growing region to actually uh, showcase their wares as you would up on the Barossa.
1: Yeah. I like it. And I think I can see your number one there as well on the side. So, uh, this being... <laughs> this
2: being this
1: being an audio uh, an audio medium, it's, uh, we'll come back to that, please. Um, oh yes, sorry, you're giving you giving, giving it away. <laughs> uh, this being an audio medium, you saw none of that. But um, Google Yarra Glen, ladies and gentlemen, and um, draw a little box around it. Yeah, oh, interesting, interesting. I see. I like the re- you got to go to the regions, and I really like yeah. um, going to regions with an established. Tourism base. And Yarra, the Yarra Valley has that.
3: It's a good part of the world. beautiful oh, can, part of the world. Uh, yeah. Can I get in quickly and do my number one before Shebeki? Yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> yes. Was, yes. <laughs> he spoiled it by so <laughs> easy.
2: I didn't mean to.
3: <laughs> I don't know oh, what happened then. For, for my number one, drum roll, please. Geelong. No. <laughs> they, they've thought about having races there a couple of times back mm. in the early eighties, 1983. And it came up again in 2014 with uh, Darren Lyons. Remember him? The, yep. The, um, the, mayor? Mm. the mayor, rather different sort of cat, but he wanted a motor race there. And I think he had a really good idea. Um, obviously they've had the Geelong revival meeting there for so long running along the beachfront and, and you know what? I think this all has a lot of potential to be like Newcastle because mm. you, you think of Newcastle and you think, oh, it's a port and it's a steel city and, you know, coal ships and stuff. But until you get that helicopter shot of the water and the beach and all that, oh. yeah, you know, Geelong's not quite the same sort of deal, but it's a lovely part of the world when you get down there to the waterfront, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, the views back over the bay you talk about wine regions, they've got the Ballerine Peninsulas right there yeah. next to Geelong and it's sensational. And people don't know about it. You don't mm. think about it. You know, when you're driving down towards the Great Ocean Road, you just see the old Ford factory and, you know, the old refinery and that's about it. But, uh, you know, when you, you look into it, it'd be a great little boost for the town there. You, you think of other street tracks around the world, like Long Beach. When they started Long Beach, Long Beach was an absolute two-bit dive. Correct. But, The fact that the race there has grown this culture, it's grown up the area, it's now where you want to be. So I think street tracks like Newcastle, like Geelong, gives the potential for these places to really grow up. And like I said, Ford Factory, it's a car-mad place. If Mm. you put on a big race meeting, all the punters down there will get behind it. And so will everyone from Melbourne. Infrastructure's easy. You bring over the stuff from the Grand Prix. Yep. You already own it, so no, just use Grand it again.
1: Grand Prix Corp would promote it, I would imagine. So there's your promoter. And
3: Chebeki's
2: done the track. Yeah, yeah clearly. Yeah, there's a track. Well, the one thing that I have done with the track is this corner here, which, once again, people can't see. But actually <laughs> This goes is, a, down this is an audio Beach. medium, Shebeck. But, uh, oh, no, anyway. but that actually goes down to Eastern Beach. So the road actually drops about 50 metres into the car park. Mm. I would have you the cars doing that and then hanging a big turn in the car park and then heading back up. Yeah, Hill. I like
1: what you've done. You've got it running down, what is it, the A10, which is the main drag in and out of town. So yep. um, that's, that's a big road to close. I like your ambition there. I like the fact the train station's right in the middle, though. That's good. Yep. I, I'd, I'd probably, uh, if you get Google Maps up, folks, and play along at home while you're listening to this, um, where Shebeki's laid is to the right of that is Eastern Park. Yes. And that I reckon if you run it around that area, that gives you the... Newcastle-style opportunity to Not run a bulk, of, a bulk of your second off the main roads. Hmm.
2: Not a bad idea. Um,
1: but, yeah, look, that's a tremendous idea. Tremendous
2: 6.85 kilometres, that one?
1: That's a big track.
3: Big track. Big yeah, track. Well, you'd have if to buy big... some more fences, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah that's, that's longer than Albert
3: Park. Anyway. Well, maybe we could borrow some from Adelaide. Uh, oh, they, they're giving it away at the moment, aren't yeah, they?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's all it's auction, auction next week. But, no, well, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? And, and Supercars has proved that Townsville... Newcastle, Darwin, you go to those regional markets and they are the most successful, but most importantly, they're the ones with the most longevity because they've got nothing else for the rest of the year. So that one big event a year is where people want to go. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. On that note. um, And just let me refresh the criteria. So Uh, it has to be be in Australia, right?
3: Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking Antarctica. Where are you going? No, no,
1: no, 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 I'm going quite close to home actually. Uh, and it has to be a street circuit not currently being used, right? Yes, yes. or not existing. Yes. Well, it's oh, don't tell me Adelaide Victoria Park, Adelaide. Thought,
3: no, of that, it's Adelaide. The, the criteria was no, no previous, wasn't it? No, I don't think so. I, I should have absolutely spelled out no Adelaide in the criteria. Well, yes. no, well, you were talking
1: about <laughs> dream, dreaming of street
3: circuits, Adelaide, but the long one, the long track.
1: You're Probably going to Grand tear, Grand up the, tear up the tram. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, well, I didn't vote. Tram's got to go. I didn't vote. No, the tram wouldn't interrupt it. It's the Oban underpass that they put in that screwed up the old um, oh, banana bend down is. the bottom. But yep. um, nah, bring it back with the Grand Prix too. Thank you.
2: <laughs> oh, it, might be up. it might be up for grabs next year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't ask for much. No. But no, it's, just, it's a straight second that's not, not being used. So uh, that doesn't exist. So bring it back. There you go. Oh,
2: there
3: you go. Right, otherwise, otherwise,
1: Mark, Lobethor. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's fair. I'd go with that.
1: Laborthor. That can be my backup number one. So oh, host... no,
3: make that a primary. How, how long's that?
1: that? Uh, 13.5 case. It's
3: fine. We'll, we'll get all the concrete barriers together. No bugger it. We'll just run some without. Yeah. I just, just, if you fine. wind up in a, if you wind up in a paddock, that's your bag. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Don't Good. crash. <laughs> like,
1: you know, and it's, it's not the crashing that kills people. It's the sudden, sudden stops. Um, No, Lobethal hosted the 1938 Australian Grand Prix plus other races, um, was banned for being too dangerous in the 1940s. Uh, So that tells you something about Lobethal as a racetrack. And Lobethal actually led to a statewide ban on racing on public roads that was only lifted in 1985 when legislation had to be changed in the South Australian Parliament to allow the Australian Grand Prix to happen. Victoria Park and surrounding streets. So that's how brutal Lobethor was. Yeah. That it created legislation that stopped street racing for seventy years. Um, uh, importantly, house the pub, the Lobethor pub. There's mm. two of them. Uh, well, I prefer you know. the I prefer the one at the bottom of the town, which is just next to the monument mm. where the uh, Lobethor Grand Prix Australian Grand Prix monument is that you and I found uh, earlier this year. And I tell you what, folks, if you want to see the Lobethor circuit head to the Race Talks YouTube channel, which is unbelievably creatively named the Race Talk TV. And you too can see a lap of that that we filmed with a mobile phone attached to the dashboard of a Mitsubishi Outlander. Yeah, with, it it, with a sleeping um, baby in the with back. With a sleeping two-year-old in the back. So, um, but, but brilliant. It's a perilous racetrack, but bring it back. Amazing. Well done, boys. Even if like one it. of
2: ours... If one of our suggestions gets up, I'd be pretty happy. Because well, I'm pretty
1: stoked I got in before you with Ilarusha, because I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. obviously we've, someone we've else is stoked him. that he beat me
3: on my number one. <laughs> yeah, but you brought that on yourself there, Chief. He did, like, yeah.
1: <laughs> don't screen share in a podcast when no one else could see it. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> uh, no, good, good,
2: good chat. We love your thoughts on your five places that you'd love to see a street circuit. Hit us up on the Race Talk uh socials and we'd love to hear your thoughts as well boys another week done and dusted like it
3: absolutely yeah we actually had some good feedback from the punters there on this one this afternoon when we just before we recorded and i think a few of them actually doubled up with our suggestions which is nice that we're in tune with the people Beautiful.
1: we are yeah there's a couple for hobart we'll just look through them before we go a couple for hobart there which was great a couple followed my trend for that uh one for uh ballarat which i oh, think is yeah, a, a pretty yeah. good idea sure Big enough population. The base. gold diggers 500 <laughs>
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> I'm not oh, a gold digger. That's a, that's got a different meaning, doesn't it? I think so. That's awesome. Um whatever. Someone said a TT bike race up Macquarie Pass, uh, down to Albion Park. Gee, that would be um that would be something. Uh going around the headlands, says Dwayne yeah. Affleck. That's pretty good. I like it. Uh, World Rallycross on a short uh, Adelaide Street circuit. We actually tried that, but the government pulled their funding, so anyway, that didn't happen. Um, someone said Ipswich. What do you think of that, Queensland correspondent Mark Walker?
3: Oh, I mean, you'd probably put some big locks on the transporter at night, wouldn't you? You would, yes.
1: Uh, headline would be stadium trucks due to the speed bumps in the main street, but it's already used as a racetrack anyway, so that's natural progression.
3: It's more that the, the uh, sinkholes there. Mm. But we've got a perfectly mm. serviceable racetrack just out there. Anyway, whatever.
2: Well, yep. there you go. Good feedback. Cool. Thanks, well, Race on. Talkers. We uh, look forward to catching you again next week right here on the grid. Thank you, boys, and thank you for joining us. Catch you soon. This program is a radio show limited production.
3: Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.